0: Hey everybody, my name is Jasper Smith, also known as Mr. Bill Wealth. Some people call me a financial educator, financial planner, financial advisor, their credit counselor, insurance guy, investment guy, retirement guy, probably other names. I think financial concierge sums it up quite nicely. I've worked in the financial services arena close to 15 years now, and I've experienced people from all walks of life. The key thing that I've discovered which sets the wealthy apart from others is one thing, The wealthy have a comprehensive financial game plan. This game plan is something they commit to, update as needed, and it's appropriate for their current stage of life. No matter where you might be on your Build Wealth journey, I hope you find the stories and information shared on this podcast useful. Take what you learn and apply it to your life. And please share what you learn with your family, friends, coworkers, and community. Why? Because the more you share, the more you'll help me disrupt generational poverty for everyone so their kids, kids, kids can live a life of privilege. We kick off every episode with story time. During some episodes, you'll hear an inspiring story that will provide you with the encouragement or motivation that's needed to face your financial fears head on, while other stories will be cautionary tales that might help you avoid financial setbacks in life. Some stories will be general observations that Mr. Bill Wealth has made from living life as a financial services professional. Either way, we can learn so much from the actions of others and consider maybe jotting down a few notes while you listen. Oh yeah, you'll even hear some personal stories from Mr. Bill Wealth himself. All right, let's get to it. The title of this story, Getting to Know Mr. Bill Wealth. I thought it would be fitting if I kicked off the first story time segment by giving all the listeners a little bit of background about me, how the Bill Wealth Movement came about, and why I'm so passionate about what I do. So I'll start from the beginning. I am the youngest of three. I'm originally from Durham, North Carolina. Shout out to the Bull City. I attended the most incredible educational organization in the country. It's an HBCU. It's North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, Aggie Pride. Then I graduated, got a job. So <laughs> so, uh, so let me, I I loved growing up in the South. Uh, you know, shout out to Esther and Ira, my, my mom and dad for raising three dope ass kids. And what's cool about my parents is I got to give them their flowers because they created Mr. Bill Wealth, like they didn't know I was gonna become this guy, but just growing up in their house and understanding that there was an an expectation is what I want to say, like just on how you conduct yourself in life in terms of like being a, a black man, you know, having my father in my life, like there's all these small things that I think culminated in 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 producing me, and it was kind of like I was a work in progress, like everybody else, but. Being the third child, you know, shout out to to Brant, my brother, and my older sister Devanya, but it's it's great when you're the third one because you can watch the other two, and I move a a certain way because of my siblings. So kudos to the fam bam for really creating me and helping me and guiding me. I mean, yeah, man, just it's 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 really cool when you're born into a situation like that. And I think it's helpful for people to know that I'm very appreciative of how I was raised. I grew up, I would say, as a privileged boy. Like I, I didn't struggle. Like my parents didn't grow up, you know, with a ton of privileges. So I think listening and understanding like where they come from and how they collectively made this decision to lead their lives a certain way. And I'm talking about like professionally, how they raised us, how they stressed education, and even with their financial decisions. And I've had a lot of conversations as an adult around how they figured it out. And what they share with me is that they just did like everybody else. You, you learn as you go. But when you dream and fantasize about being more successful in life, you start doing things differently. And when it comes to like financial planning, some people just don't want to do anything different. They, they follow in the footsteps of family members who aren't doing the right things financially, or maybe just the example just doesn't exist anywhere in your community, let alone your family. And so I was fortunate enough to, to be born into this family who set this expectation, who challenged me in ways that just have produced some incredible things like me and my career path and my education. But, you know, my parents did a lot of great things that I wish more parents would do for their kids in terms of giving them a better head start by providing. And they didn't have all the means in the world, but over time they built it. They built the life that they wanted. And so like watching them move and now that they're in retirement, I got an example. So I know it's possible that you can have kids, you can have the house, you can go on vacation, you can do well professionally, you can have fun and still have money in your pocket. And have investment accounts, and have retirement accounts, and have you know various levels of insurance. Like you can do all these things because I've seen two people do it, and I think that's the critical piece as to why some people struggle with financial planning is because they have nobody that close to them who understands that it's possible. I see it, therefore I believe I can do it, and so all this work that I'm doing with the Bill Wealth Movement is. Primarily from my, one of my early experiences with money. Like I graduated college with no debt. So I stayed in state, got a baseball scholarship to A&T, had academic money. I graduate with no debt. My parents had put away some money for college. So I pocket all that money. I was then gifted from my pops. I met his financial planner, gifted some more money into a mutual fund account. So you you couldn't tell me nothing. Like I'm I'm 21 with money in my pocket. Like I'm in the black. Like I don't owe anybody. And from that point on, I got caught up in, I'll say, life. Got a job. So I I leave Durham. I, I moved to Philly with my first job out of college. But the problem is I didn't know how to really move in a big city. And I was there with a ton of other young professionals who were also fresh out of undergrad. So we're All in this big city for those who weren't from a big city. And it was an incredible time. And in case you're not sure about where Philadelphia is located, just north is New York, just east is Atlantic City, and just south is Baltimore and DC. Oh, and at the time, I was going back home quite a bit because I had a girlfriend at the time. So then, oh, I should also say my brother lived in Las Vegas. So I was living that life. Uh, happy hours, three, four times a week, out every weekend, flying to Vegas, driving home, driving somewhere. Like I was not in Philly a lot. Like I enjoyed Philly. I was only there for a year before I moved to California, but I blew so much money. So all that college money that I pocketed after graduation, it quickly got missing. And and for me, that's when reality starts to set in is that you? you kind of see yourself going down this path But nobody's there to stop you because, you know, I'm 21, done everything right, got my job, got my benefits. Like you can't tell me shit. But somebody should have told me you might want to get your spending in in check. But I didn't. So all that money that I had coming out of college should have set me up for financial greatness. And over the course of about a year and a half, I blew pretty decent chunk of change. And not much changed when I got to California until maybe another you know six months almost, and then reality starts to set in that, okay, I am not saving enough, I'm not investing enough, I'm not really thinking about the long term at this point, and that's pretty typical, right? You're fresh out of school, you're young you're you're trying to do you're trying to do things, trying to see the world, trying to travel trying to have a good time, but you're not thinking about getting older, and so the reason that I'm so passionate about all the efforts that I put into the Build Wealth movement is simply because I've been that kid that had some money and has lost it. And then I made some back and then I became an entrepreneur, lost it again. And so I've had this kind of you know, roller coaster of a journey called life, but I love the lessons that I've learned over the course of my lifetime. And if I don't make certain decisions, I don't know if I'm here today, even doing this podcast. So I don't regret any of the things that I've done, but I I share this story with you to let you know that I understand you literally. And when people are like, man, you're always just hard on people. You're really trying to challenge them and go in on them. It's actually because I care. I care to see you do well. I care about you infecting your family with better financial information and guidance so that way you don't blow money. That way, if you have children, you have enough insurance. That way, if you have, again, assets, you have an estate plan. So all these things that I'm constantly stressing to my clients or discussing during webinars and workshops and volunteer efforts, it's it's personal for me because I see the realities of what it's like to live in this world. Having money makes a difference. And then having money and being uh, responsible with it is even better. A lot of people get rich and then they're broke soon after, right? So I felt rich at 21. You couldn't tell me nothing. And then I was quickly like, ooh, not doing as well as I thought. Still had a job, still making money, but just not looking good, I'll say, on paper. So when when I talk to people, it's sometimes good for them to understand that I've made some very, very dumb decisions financially but I made them all in my early twenties. And then at some point I realized I can't be financially successful if I keep doing the things that I'm doing. So I switched it up. And then I became a financial planner. So now I can't be a hypocrite. So like all these things in life have culminated into Mr. Bill Wealth, into the Bill Wealth movement. And it's why I'm so passionate about what I do. So I'm I'm hoping that this story gives you a little bit more insight into who I am, why I'm so passionate, and hopefully you will continue to stick around. And I hope to share some more stories with you about my experiences as a financial planner. You know, I'll share some more personal stories about financial things that I've done wrong. But I I think that was probably helpful for you, the listener, to really understand why I'm doing this effort, why story time is so important, because maybe you hear something on this podcast that resonates with you, or perhaps you hear a story that I share that will be shared with your family, friends, your co-workers, your larger community, all in the effort, all, all in the effort to disrupt generational poverty. All right. So appreciate you tuning in to this first story time, which was about yours truly. And looking forward to more stories to come. It's now time for the If You Were Me segment. People are always searching for those financial gems that can assist them with achieving financial greatness. And with that comes three questions. I'm constantly asked one, what do you think I should do? Two, if you were me, what would you do? And three, what do people in my situation typically do? When you're putting together your bill wealth plan, it's got to be personalized and unique to your situation. However, When people ask me those questions, they are looking for blanket advice. I generally don't know enough about their situation to make a proper recommendation. So I do my best to give general guidance that they could have probably found doing a quick search on the Internet. It's then up to them to act on that information or sit on it and do nothing. I figured I'd put myself in someone else's shoes and tell them what I'd actually do. So if you're listening to this and you and your boo thing have decided to live together, here's what I would do. First off, I want to answer the question, why? And when I think about the why, I need to give it a lot of thought. Like I don't want this to be surface level why. And so the first why most people would say is want to save money. That's legit. We'll unpack that in a second. Maybe it's, we can divide up some of the bills. I mean, it kind of falls into the saving money piece, but now I have somebody else putting in on the light bill, the rent, the the mortgage, the phone bill, whatever. And so maybe that is one of the reasons why it's a good one as to why we want to live together. Another one could be Maybe this is the test the test to see if we really gonna make it. I mean it's easy to go through a relationship when you're just a visitor and you can leave when you want. You can do what you do, you can make your mess, and it's only your mess that you have to see and deal with. But when you got somebody else in your space, it's a little bit different and and maybe this is that pivotal moment in your relationship where you're thinking about this person becoming. Like your husband or wife, or maybe you've been married before divorced, and now you're kind of trying it again. I mean, there are a lot of good reasons as to why, but this this does serve as a test because you can be right up under somebody now, and there's a lot that you thought you knew, but you had no idea. I think another good why, and I really don't think I need to go into too much detail but why I want to live in my boo thing is that from a physical standpoint, they're just close. We don't have to waste time and, you know, all that back and forth and you spending the night or what time you're coming over. Well, you know, you can plan your physical outings a little bit differently or even spare the moment type of outings because now you're living under the same roof. So of course, that's going to be a reason why you perhaps want to live together. But I wanted to really kind of unpack this, this saving money theme. Because if I'm you, what I would be doing is really thinking about personally, I'm saving extra money for what? Or I should say, where are these additional savings going to go with my personal plan? So now I'm thinking about what kind of investing am I going to do if that's what I choose to do with these savings? Is it investing more in a like non-retirement investment account? Am I looking into getting into some real estate endeavors? Am I perhaps going to contribute more to my employer-sponsored retirement plan, like my 401k or my 403b, my 457, because I got some extra money. Maybe I could be applying more of those funds to my retirement account. Or even if I have a standalone retirement account outside of my job, like an IRA, maybe I'm funding that more. Maybe I need more insurance. Maybe I need more life insurance. Maybe I need more disability insurance. And so now I've got some extra money. Maybe I could look at getting some supplemental insurance coverage. Maybe that could be how I save money. And what I would also do is I know I'm talking about myself and what I would do. I would also extend that, I say offer, I would extend this to my partner. Like I'm living with my boo. And if I'm going through this process, of thinking about where the savings are going to be applied as a result of us living together, what are they gonna do? So have you even, I should take a step back. Have you even had that talk with them? Like we're coming together and you are personally going through the whys, but what about your partner? Because if I'm you and we've made this decision to live together, what are you going to do with your money? And it should probably be the same you know, level of scrutiny. I'm going to do boom, 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 boom. Because we're living together, dividing up some of the bills and blah, blah, blah. Now, what do you plan to do? And you should have this conversation probably before you move together, but I would definitely have it soon after we've moved in. Like I'm not waiting until months go in and I'm slowly starting to see that, you know, they're not really good with money. But you should realize this too, in every relationship, There's typically somebody who's more of a spender and there's the other person who's more of the saver. It's rare you see relationships that have both, but I know they exist, but the real solid relationships, generally speaking, somebody is better at saving and or investing and the other person is more so better at spending money, generally how it works out. So you need to know that about your boo thing since you're living together, because if I'm you. I'm asking that question and it's, and it's not something that is maybe going to be easy up front, but I'm living with you. I want to know more about you. That's the whole point of us living together. If I didn't want to know more about you, well, we probably would not be going together. Cause I'm, maybe I'm not interested because I think if I'm trying to build something long term and living with you is this first big step in our relationship, well, I need to do this. I am not afraid to ask these questions, but I also realized that I need to pick my timing because just because I want to talk about it doesn't mean my boo thing wants to. So maybe I figure out some type of strategy or system to say, you know what? Maybe once a week, we spend a few minutes just chopping it up about money or maybe it's once a month. And if I'm you and I just decided to live with my boo thing, we're going to put it on the calendar. So that way you can't give me this. I was too busy. I was too tired. Like I want to discuss having this conversation and then giving you time to prepare, but then throwing it on our calendar. So then you you have ample time to get your mind right to have this discussion because I'd rather go through this journey than let me give you an example. Let's say you, let's say you're on a trip to the grocery store and let's say you're Boo thing is really solid with making a grocery list and you're not. So you walk into the grocery store, your boo thing got their list or it should be your list, but y'all are just living together, right? You're still new to this. So maybe I'm the one that just walks up and down every aisle. And so we're in the grocery store way longer than we need to be spending more money than we should versus my boo who's over there. Like, yo, why, why are you doing all this? Like, here's the list. Let's get this and get out. Like that kind of stuff, right there, is one of those signs that you need to have a talk. Perhaps b- before you even go to the grocery store, or maybe before you get out the car. And what you got to realize is that if you don't stop and have the conversation, that stuff does not change. People. At a certain point in your life, you're so ingrained in your habits that nobody has ever decided to check you or to get you to see it from their point of view because you've been living by yourself. But if if I came together with you to save money or divide up some of the bills, well, this grocery bill might be a little bit less if you made a list. Or maybe your, your boot thing is so good with the list that they also clip coupons. So look, if you have the talk, it makes it easier. It makes it easier to exist. The most successful couples have some type of system when it comes to all things financial and especially when you're living together. Because if I'm you and I've made this decision to take this step to live with my boo thing, I have to have this conversation. I mean, think about this, y'all. If you don't, and let's say you just avoid this entire conversation and you do end up getting married. I mean, at some point, it's going to happen. It's There's going to be a blow up. And if I'm you, I know that if I take the time up front to have the conversation before we come together and live under the same roof, I'll be ready. I mean, this is a pivotal, again, pivotal moment in people's relationships where you decide to live together. That's a big commitment. But with that commitment goes a lot more than just making the decision to live together and just saying that we're going to save money by living together. It's got to be more than that. So explore all of this, have the conversation, make it a part of your routine is to talk money with your boo thing, especially now since you live together. So you're going to keep seeing this person day in and day out. And if you don't address this stuff, Just know at some point it may blow up. Hopefully the tips that I've shared will be useful to you as you and your boo thing live together. As always, you should consult with your own financial professionals to ensure the moves you're making as it relates to your bill wealth plans are in your best interest. I want to give you the listener a big shout out for tuning in. I'd love for you to join me on my quest to disrupt generational poverty. Whenever you're ready, head over to thebillwealthmovement.com and fill out the contact us section at the bottom of the page. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at TBW movement and on Instagram at thebillwealthmovement. I also wanna ask you a question. Do you have an inspiring story, a cautionary tale or some good old bill wealth advice? I'd love to hear from you. You can send your story or advice to share at readytobuildwealth.com. And that's the number two. So again, that's share at readytobuildwealth.com. Or leave it on our share voicemail at 888-56-SHARE. Again, the share voicemail is 888-56-SHARE. I'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Well, that'll do it. Until next time, just know that I'll be working tirelessly to disrupt generational poverty for everyone so their kids, kids, kids can live a life of privilege.